Hey, welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. Hope everybody is having a good week. Of course, lots of craziness right now going on with the transfer portal. Hugh Freeze is now in his second full week as Auburn's head coach filling out the assistant staff. Wanted to have a podcast today bringing on a special guest, Mr. Danny Sheridan from dannysheridan.com, one of the top sports handicappers and betting analysts in the sports betting world, also handles the top betting analysis for the USA Today Network as well. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good and yourself, and I appreciate you getting dressed up for this interview. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, I guess we'll start with the two the two kind of bigger betting points right now um, as it relates to college football, what's, what's sort of transpired in the past couple of days. Uh, starting with the playoff field, first of all, what were your what were your overall thoughts on the field of of four teams there? And I guess how how big is the advantage from a betting standpoint right now um, for for Georgia and Michigan with those those number one and number two spots? Well, first of all, and it's not being a homer, I believe the committee's job is to bring the four best teams to the front. Pick the four best teams at season's end. Forget conference titles and all that crap because they violated their own rules many times, jumping Ohio State in one year. They didn't win the conference, putting Alabama in one year. Bottom line is the best, the best four teams power rating-wise, and I'm sure this is no shock to you, would be Georgia would be at number one. Michigan, Ohio State be pretty close, and then Alabama. TCU would be a double-digit underdog pretty much to all four teams. I think they're a nine-and-a-half-point underdog to uh, Michigan. That doesn't mean they'd lose, but power ratings-wise, TCU, uh, no one would take, I don't think, in their right mind. If I said Georgia, TCU's playing, you can have TCU even. You can have TCU even against Alabama, Michigan, or Ohio State. I think you'd put me in a in a straight jacket. I don't think anybody would do that, which tells me TCU, who's got a great team and a great quarterback, they are not one of the best four teams in college football. So redundantly, the answer to your question is, I don't think TCU should be in there, and I would have put Alabama in there, not because I'm from Alabama. Well, so assuming assuming then, because that's been a common sort of thought experiment over the past couple of days, assuming then Bama was – would be a four seed in this scenario. What sort of line would you would you have put on that game against Georgia, assuming that was the one one versus four game? I would have made Georgia probably maybe as much as a three point favorite, two and a half to three. Alabama would be favored over Michigan, and then also be favored over Ohio State. Don't know if they'd win, but they'd be favored to win. What is how much of a how much of an overall favorite would you put Georgia at right now, just to win? The whole thing, obviously, you know, there's there's a couple Big Ten teams in there, and then they're going to have to deal with Ohio State there in the opening round, which won't be won't be easy considering Ohio State has a prolific offense. But I think most are assuming it's going to come down to Georgia and Michigan. Um, I guess how much how much uh, how much betting power right now is on Georgia to to go ahead and just be the outright national champion? Well, definitely Georgia's the favorite, but they have, as you just pointed out. They have the toughest road. They got to play Ohio State, then the winner of Michigan TCU if they beat Ohio State, and I've, and if Michigan wins, they got <laughs> they're playing the two best teams in the country, two of the best teams in the country. So Georgia's got a tough road to hoe. Certainly they'll be the favorite, and Michigan has a much easier uh, road to travel because they only have to play TCU. Whereas if they played Ohio State, 
in the rematch, Ohio State would be probably two and a half, three point favorite. So, yes, Georgia's a favorite. Michigan, clearly the second favorite. Ohio State, the third favorite. And TCU, probably 20 to one to win the national championship. When you look at the four Heisman finalists, what are your thoughts on who the favorite could be? There and were you surprised by any of the of the ones that were sent that are going to be sent to New York? Well, I was somewhat surprised that Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner last year, it's not like he fell apart this year. He lost two games in the last couple of seconds by three points. He was injured for about a month. I would have made an exception and brought him. You know, they bring they brought. I think they bring four. I would have brought five. I would have brought him. Uh, my overall thoughts. Uh, which everyone I think would agree with. The votes will be Caleb Williams from Southern Cal. He'll definitely, I say definitely, I'd be shocked if he didn't win it. Do I think he should win it? No. Uh, Stroud will be next and then Bennett. I can make a bigger case for Bennett to win it than I could for the other two. And my favorite, if I had a vote and I don't, would be Duggins of TCU. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the team. Yes, the other three are very important, but I just... Duggan's heroics, et cetera, et cetera. And what he's done all year, he would be my Heisman candidate. I don't know who yours would be. I'd be curious to know. I would probably lean Duggan as well, um, just because of what he did there at the end. I would think it'd be between him and be between him and uh him and Caleb Williams. Um, right. which shows which is a good reason why you and I are not allowed to vote because we <laughs> vote realistically. And I would say out of the 900 voters, first of all, I'd cut it down to about 50, but I'd say out of the 900 voters, conservatively, probably 850 don't watch the games, which is kind of scary. But uh, anyway, it's good to see that we both like Douglas. But Williams will win it. You got that tremendous West Coast media vote. There's such a common thought now with in terms of, you know, some coaches will hold back injury reports, um, whereas some some are a little bit more forthright. Um, there's a thought that maybe in the near future, I want to ask you about this because of your, your betting expertise. Um, you know, there's a thought maybe in the near future, they'll, they'll go toward more toward the NFL model of making injury reports mandatory because that obviously has a huge effect on betting lines for games. How realistic do you think that is, especially with maybe some of the reluctancy that college coaches like to have and how much control they like to have over whether their players are, you know, publicly injured or not. Well, it's a great question. I, I would be very surprised if it's not mandatory and it's real simple. Would you rather have a, you're not going to report an injury to a key running back or quarterback, or would you rather have a betting scandal involving your school where someone gets inside information? That's the idea of, as you know, of the NFL injury report does every coach tell the truth? You know, they use cute terms like questionable as opposed to he's out, but they still make a report. And every Thursday, NFL light years ahead of college football in that regard. And now when you've got betting legal, which I never thought I'd live to see, you got sports betting legal in 31 States and the district of Columbia, you have to avoid, it has to be, you have to avoid the appearance of a fix or when I say a fix, you're not going to fix the college game to avoid the appearance of, inside information one of your alumni prominent alumni attends practice and he sees that you're playing a second string quarterback and he, he tells his friends and they bet a ton of money and they will be caught once you bet an inordinate amount of money on a game with any bookmaker it's a big red flag and you want to avoid all that crap so 
it, what's the big deal? Yes, I think it'll be mandatory in college. And if they don't do it, they're crazy. And you can still say a player's questionable, but you can't lie and say if a player's out, he's out. Now, I say you can't lie. They might bend the truth. But I, I'm sorry for the garrulous answer. But I really have a problem with that. And it's as great as college football is, much better than the NFL. and done so many wonderful things. They better get on board. And, hey, you got college. I think LSU has a – uh, they have a deal with DraftKings. They promote it to their students. And I could go on and on. So it's not like it's in the closet anymore. It's out in the open. And probably within, oh, I don't know, at least three years, maybe sooner, you're going to have 40 states in the United States out of 50 where betting's legalized. And it's going to be pretty hard to not be able to bet on a game unless you live in Alabama. But that's only because our legislature, legislators, they think that babies come from storks. But when they get over that, we'll eventually have it in Alabama, legalized sports betting. And by the way, per capita, Alabama is the biggest betting state in the country, sports betting on football, per capita. But yet we don't have legal betting. So what do our Alabama fans do? People in Alabama, they want to bet on, they go to Biloxi, they go to Columbus, Mississippi, out of Birmingham, Biloxi, out of Mobile. They go to Tennessee. I was going to say they go to Georgia, but Georgia doesn't have it, but it will. Alabama will be the last to have it. Hell, we don't even have a, a lottery in Alabama, and I think every state but four has a lottery. I'm glad you got me off on that tangent. Segues perfectly into my next question. How how close do you think Alabama is to, to legalizing that? Well, how close is the legislator? To realizing that storks don't, that babies don't come from storks. That would be my question because it's a, it's a mystery to me. Uh, I'm not for a lottery personally. It's a regressive tax on your citizens, but every state around Alabama has a lottery, and Alabamians promote or they buy tickets for the Georgia lottery. I think I read where the largest lottery ticket selling outlet. I was asked, "What is it in the state of Florida?" I said, Miami, that's easy. No, Alabama, Florida line. Tennessee, their their school system ran some kind of, they bought a sign or something saying, thank you, Alabama, for playing our lottery. Point is, we're playing the Mississippi lottery, the Georgia lottery, the Tennessee lottery, the Florida lottery, and yet we don't have a lottery. And again, I'm against the lottery, but not because of, but not now because of the fact that we're, we Alabamians are supporting substantially all the states around us. And then what pisses me off, pardon my language, is we're smart enough to elect politicians, but we're not smart enough to vote on a lottery. And they won't let Alabama, they haven't, the legislature hasn't let Alabama vote on a lottery or casinos or sports betting, which is uh, 19th century thinking, maybe 16th century thinking. You're obviously a, an, an Alabama guy what what were your thoughts on what were your thoughts on Hugh Freeze coming to Auburn and how and how might you see that hire playing out well first of all I'm an Alabama guy like the state of Alabama I want Auburn Correct. to do well I want Alabama to do well because financially those two institutions raise a lot of money in this state and if they both have good winning football programs it kicks a lot of and you know this it, the economic benefit to the state of Alabama is, is off the charts Hugh Freeze Excellent choice. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin's a great coach, but I've said all along, I thought Hugh, Hugh Freeze 
would be the right decision, not just for Auburn, but for anyone. I can tell you this. I don't think it's going to shock you, but anybody. First of all, if you told me, what is liberty? I would have said, give me liberty of death. I didn't know what the hell liberty was. I mean, I knew that they had a college, but if you don't have a football team, you're just not well known. So what he did at Liberty, beating Arkansas at Arkansas, and I think he was 10 and one or 10 and two a, a couple of years ago. He, you freeze, played in Mobile at the Lending Tree Bowl game last year. They beat the living heck out of Eastern, Eastern Michigan. It wasn't even close. Uh, he had enough sense to take Malik Willis from Auburn, whereas Malzahn, who never groomed a quarterback at Auburn, all transfers, every one of them, unless you know something I don't know. And he had enough sense when Malzahn didn't have enough sense to not even let Malik Willis play. I think he was behind Jarrett Stidham. Stidham's a good quarterback, but you know Malik Willis. Anyway, Malik Willis, I think, I think Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans, they moved up in the draft to get him. The bottom line is you can point out that, hey, he's such a great coach. Why did he lose the last three games? I picked against him with the point spread the last three games against Liberty for one reason only, because the word got out that he was going to leave Liberty, and he didn't deny it to his players. It also got out about Lane Kiffin, but Kiffin sort of denied it and hemmed and haw, and I went against Kiffin against in the Egg Bowl, and I don't think they would have lost the Egg Bowl if Kiffin would have come out and said, hey, I'm not going to Auburn. I'm not leaving. He didn't do that. He used that, which I don't fault him for, to get more money. And he told Auburn, I'm almost certain, he told Auburn, I'll come, but you got to pay me, I think, $9 million. And Auburn, much to their credit, said, we're not doing that. We're going to pay a lot of money, 5 or $6 million. So then he told that to Ole Miss, or his agent did, I shouldn't say he. His agent, who pulls puppet strings for all the coaches, did a great job, hustled Ole Miss into $9 million a year. A couple of years from now, if he's not dominating, and I don't think he will be, uh, they'll call for his head. But, hey, he'll get a nice stipend. But back to why did Hugh Freeze lose the last three games? Like I said, your team, when they know you're leaving, you could go back to Shug Jordan, Shug Jordan when he made the announcement many years ago, probably before you were born, that he was going to leave in the, at the beginning of the season. It split the whole coaching staff up. Who's going to – is going to have a great team. I mean a team that might lose one game. Anyway, they went to hell in a handbasket when that announcement was made. So one of the things as a handicapper – that I absolutely love is when I know a coach is leaving and he doesn't deny it because I know his players are going to lie down. And my friend, Hugh, Hugh, Lou Holtz had a similar problem at Notre Dame. He told them they were leaving. He's leaving. And for three weeks in a row, they just got, I think they got creamed. And the last time, the last game of the season, he got the team together, motivated them. And they said, we're going to play one for you. You've always been honest. And they beat somebody. Anyway, I think I made my point. Yes. I, Hugh Freeze. He will definitely win at Auburn. Is he going to be the next Nick Saban? I don't know. But I know one thing. If he can beat Saban twice in a row with the team that he had, and the second game was a revenge game, Alabama, it was no fluke. They were going to, they took him seriously. And he won both games. And I think that was remarkable considering the talent he had. I can assure you, I'm not just saying this because it's an Auburn podcast, but Auburn is one of the top probably five, six jobs in the country. And if you can't win at Auburn, there's something the matter with you. And, and again, it gets you'll probably lead into Harson. Brian Harson's a good coach. It's just it's just not a fit. You can't go from and you know this. You can't. I was stunned like you were when they brought him in. I thought, well, 
the young guy he can recruit, but hell, this is the SEC. This is diff- This is like taking you and me and dropping us in a foreign country without speaking the language. It'd be pretty tough. I mean, I guess we could adapt if we had five or ten years. Well, you talked a little bit about Saban and and the opportunity for Hugh Freeze to get back in the league and look. I mean, the the funny thing is he's actually the only SEC coach now with wins over both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Now, granted. His win over Kirby Smart came in year one at Georgia. Um, that still just, that still counts as a win. Yep, and they just and they just destroyed him in that game. Um, but you know it's it it it's something that you know has to be brought up his his success against Saban. If you know, I know it was a while ago, but like you said, it was back to back seasons. But when you look at Alabama right now, and you mentioned that that you would have had him in there as the number four seed in the playoff as, as one of the better teams in the country, just, just how overblown, you know, I think, I think Auburn fans are a little tired of here as much as Auburn fans would like, you know, quote the dynasty to be over. They're probably, they're a little tired of hearing that every single year. Just how overblown is that whenever Alabama you know loses more than one game in a season, the the sort of reaction that, that people have to that. Well, first of all, it's not just Auburn fans. It's everybody in the sec and the entire college landscape. It's Alabama fatigue. I mean, Saban, it, you, I never thought I'd say it, but he, he just won too many games and won often. And he's had a, his record, I think, like the last five years, I think Alabama's lost, I don't know, by a total of five teams, total of 15 points, regular season. Ohio State lost by 22 at home. Four of the games that Alabama's lost by 15 points total were on the road. So he has built a dynasty. So did Bear Bryant. It just happens to be at Alabama. John McKay did that at Southern Cal. Uh, Nebraska uh, slipped, not Osborne, but Osborne did good. But the, I, can't, I forget who the guy was before him, but he was like a bear, Brian. And these things happen. It just happens to be Alabama. But hell, I mean, if Saban, he's remarkable. I mean, now the, the pendulum is swinging because Auburn and other schools have NIL and collective money. And if you have more money, I made the comment, oh, I guess about before the NIL was passed in what, July of 21, I made the comment and you would agree if this NIL had been in place, Bryce Young would be playing in South, Southern Cal. He would not be or Southern California. He would not be playing in Alabama. There's no way he would come to Tuscaloosa. I love Tuscaloosa. Nothing wrong with Tuscaloosa or Auburn. He's not coming there. He's going to Los Angeles, Hollywood. So NIL has made a big difference. I look for Hugh Freeze to drastically improve Auburn, but not just because he's a good coach, because players want to come to Auburn. It's a great place to play. Fan base, which is, you know, top five in the country, maybe closer to number one. I still can't get over the fan reaction when Auburn played Texas A&M. I, you would have thought if you tuned it in, it was a national TV game. And that's a tribute to Auburn's fan base. They deserve better and they're going to get better. What you need to do at Auburn is what we what they did at Alabama. And that's to tell a certain prominent alumni at Alabama, you're sitting on the sidelines. You're not getting involved. We'll take your money, but you're not the athletic director. You're not going to bother our coach. And he, he graciously said, you're right. Nick Saban was hired then. And Saban runs the show. When I say the show, he runs the football program. I don't think he runs the university, but I could be wrong. And that's what you pretty much need to do. You get a good athletic director. You have one. He made a good choice, and he got a lot of pressure not to make that choice. And, you know, 
I could comment. We could spend an hour on that, but Hugh Freeze is brought in. He's not perfect. Hell, I'm not perfect. Last time I checked, but he was brought in to win football games. His resume shows that's exactly what he can do. Ole Miss was, you know, again, nothing against Ole Miss, but you're going to compare their facilities to Auburn or to Alabama or to Georgia or LSU. No way in hell. And he had that team on a roll. And it's just unfortunate what happened because they were really building momentum. And now he's back in the SEC. The only good thing about coaching the SEC is you get a minimum, the worst coach, I guess, at Vanderbilt, who will lose every year. I don't know about now. He's doing well. But when I say lose every year, he's not going to dominate the conference. But the worst coach gets about 4 or $5 million. I like that program. But if you look around, where would you want to be? The last place I would want to be would be in the SEC. Look at the hell you're competing against. Put me out in Southern Cal. Put me in the Big, I mean, the Pac-10. Put me in the Big 10. Put me in the Big 12. But please don't throw me in the Briar Patch. Don't put me in the SEC because the coaches, I don't see any weak links. And there may be. I may have off the top of my head. It looks to me like there are a lot of solid coaches down here that could coach anywhere. And including the Vanderbilt coach, he's probably he did a hell of a job this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at guy like Clark Lee. Uh, you know, you, you like you said, you're at you're at Vanderbilt and you win two SEC games and and you get praised. And so, but that's because, like you said, that's because the SEC is so cutthroat. At other places, if you're in the bottom of the conference and you win two games, and not necessarily going to get as much praise for it. Plus, you can win if you take Hugh Freeze and put him in the Big Twelve. I can't speak for the Pac-10; that may be out of his area. But if you put him in the Big 12 or the ACC, Hugh Freeze is going to be at the top of the conference. It's not going to be Clemson, and it's not going to be, well, I was going to say Oklahoma, but and he would do that. And not just Hugh Freeze, so would Lane Kiffin, so would Saban, and anybody you want to throw in except, I don't know, I shouldn't say except Clark Lee because they won five games this year, which is really incredible. So he's, but look at putting aside Vanderbilt and even the Missouri coach, you got 12 coaches that could coach anywhere in college football and be successful. That's scary. That's what Hugh Freeze is walking into, but it's something he's had success against before. Freeze, like the rest of them, he's a good coach. He believes in himself. And I would say they like punishment, but it's not too bad a punishment when you're getting five to $10 million a year at the SEC schools like Freeze and then all the way up to Saban and Kirby Smart and LSU. Pay, they're paying a ton of money for, for a guy that's doing a great job that they had no idea if he could do a good job. But, hey, it, I can tell you this. The coaches in this conference are underpaid. may sound crazy. If I were if Saban were a, a CEO of a company filling 100,000-plus seats every week at X number, $100 a ticket, he's worth probably 25 or 30 million. And I promise you, you look at Auburn's coach, they'll pack every game. They'll sell out. They may not attend every game, but the fans will, the base will buy every ticket, every home game ticket, the same with LSU, the same with Tennessee. And you can go on and on. That's worth a gazillion dollars, not to mention the economic impact of each of those college towns. So trust me, it may sound blasphemous, but they're underpaid. When people, when Hugh Freeze's Auburn contract came out, and some you know people who opposed the hire initially, um, you know, said you know that's just you're paying the guy too much money. It's like oh, he actually is in the bottom half of the SEC. It's a bargain. Of, as was Harson. Harson was a Harson was a cheap coach as well. 
No, but it's not cheap. It's a bargain. Auburn's got a bargain. Pay. They should pay more because he's going to win. What is that worth in the community? What's it worth to the university? When you win, hell, I never heard. I'm trying to think Gonzaga. I never heard of them. They won the basketball national championship and their student body increased. When you win football games, whether people like it or not, I'm not against academics. But when Auburn starts winning football games again, which they will, their student body increases. That is a university's lifeblood. Students pay in tuition. And every time Alabama wins a national championship, same thing. You got kids from California that never thought about going here. I'm going back seven, eight years ago. And every college president I've talked to, including one many, many years ago when I was there at Harvard, I asked him if it was important, but Harvard, Yale, no scholarships, the highest funded uh, university, Harvard in the, in the world. And I asked the president, I said, your rival is your rival is Yale. If you beat Yale, does that matter? And the reason why I said it, because the students that I was speaking to were peppering me going, you're a redneck. All y'all care about is winning. So I turned the table. I asked the Harvard president, does that matter if you beat Yale in football? His answer was something like, well, now that you mentioned it, I just spoke to, I think it was a Rockefeller. He just gave, I don't know, $25 million to Harvard, to the university. Pretty sure it was Harvard or somebody like that. And he, this is in front of all the students, which is great. I couldn't have written it any better. And he made the comment, you know, when I talked to Mr. Rockefeller, we, we talked for about 45 minutes and 40 minutes was how we beat Yale's butt last year. So I rest, I looked at the students, I went, I rest my case. I don't know why, but winning football, national championships, other sports are important too, but that seems to unify university and that's important. I don't see Georgia Tech going around saying, we got all these uh, scholars or whatever you want to call them. You know, we, we're, they don't brag about scholarships. They brag about, hey, we won the national championship in 1980. That's wonderful. Rhodes Scholars, that's nice. But you don't see that when you're recruiting students. You might see that when you're recruiting Rhodes Scholars. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, look, I mean, Auburn fans, 10 years ago when they won the national championship, uh, you, it's it's hard to deny it. It's hard to deny the boom of both the economic aspect of it and and just the student body in general. More people want to be more people want to be a part of something that looks fun. And that that's and exactly that, right. And that student body is a university's lifeblood. You do away with the students and the tuition. You put a for sale sign up. Well, thanks so much for hopping on, Danny. I, re, I we really appreciate uh, really appreciate your insight and uh, and for hopping on with us today. Keep up the great work and. Uh, I know you will, but keep the faith. I promise you. I, I wish I could. I don't bet on football. I don't bet on sports, but I wish I could make a bet on how successful you freeze is going to be. Because when you let this man recruit for three years, go in the transfer portal, install work, get a quarterback for starters. He's got a proven track record and he's not, and he's not like he's 75 years old or he's going to, or he's forgotten. He's forgotten more than a lot of coaches will ever know. And I'm glad to see Auburn hiring. Thank you.